And I want to begin a short series for the next few weeks about winning the spiritual battle. Because you see, God has called us to be winners. Okay? We are not the losers. But as a Christian, no, no, no. We are winners through Christ. Always, no matter what. In life, in death, we are winners through Christ. You see, you can't lose because even if the enemy were to kill you, you still win. We are winners in Christ. But I want to give you some scripture, some points from the Bible on how we win the spiritual battle. And today's message specifically, I want to talk about the first point of winning the spiritual battle is to know your enemy. We must know who our real enemy is. And I can tell you right now, your real enemy is the devil, Satan, and his kingdom. Bottom line. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11 says this. Now reading, it says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You see, we should know his tricks. We should, first of all, know he's our enemy, but also know kind of how he works. And when you do, you will win. Colossians 1 verse 13, it says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. You see, church, there are two kingdoms at war, as Pastor Marissa shared last weekend. The kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light. The kingdom ruled by Satan and the kingdom ruled by the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I get to be in one of those kingdoms. We can choose to be in the kingdom of light or we can say, oh, I don't believe it, I'm not going to choose any kingdom. And by default, we end up in the kingdom of darkness. There are no neutral sides. I mean, you can do nothing, but you will be on one side or the other. I want to give you a little bit of a picture of Satan's kingdom and how we got to this position where there's two kingdoms at war. And yes, we're talking about the spiritual. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12. Isaiah 14 and verse 12. says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. You see, Lucifer was another name for Satan. And Satan became proud in his role. He became arrogant and he chose rebellion. He chose to try to subvert the authority of God Almighty. His pride caused him to walk in a rebellious state. And I'll tell you what, the end result was not good. Because you see, Lucifer or Satan actually was given a role in heaven before he rebelled. Ezekiel 28 and verse 12 gives us a little picture of his role. Ezekiel 28 verse 12 says, Son of man, 
take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord. Now, before I go any further, I want you to understand that in Old Testament, the prophets spoke to people and then they spoke directly to the spirit behind the person. He's speaking to a world leader in this scripture. You see, back in the time of these prophets, often one group would rule the then known world. Another one would take over and then they'd rule the then known world. And there would be a leader, a man, but behind the man, there would be a spirit. And he starts talking to a man, but he very quickly begins to talk to the spirit behind the man. And so he says in verse 12, you were the seal of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, oinks, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You see, we know immediately he's not talking to a man any longer because the man at that point would not have been in the Garden of Eden. He's talking to Satan himself. And he says this, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. And now he's beginning to talk again to the man, the natural. He went from the natural to the spiritual, back to the natural. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. And back again to the spiritual, talking about when he cast Satan out from heaven. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You see, God gives us a picture here through the prophet of Satan's beginning and his downfall. Interestingly, Satan was a leader and he was a worship leader. It says music was created right in him. He wasn't just a worship leader. He was a really good-looking worship leader. Beware of good-looking worship leaders. No, I I better stop there. (laughs) But he was a really good-looking worship leader. A worship leader in heaven and pride got to him. And because of that pride, we know from Scripture that he was cast out. Now, the spiritual battle was one that has been raging ever since he was cast out in the beginning. And we're going to get a little more of a picture of that in a minute. But some of that spiritual battle you can read about in the book of Daniel, if you're wondering, well, what does it look like? Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12 to 13 gives us a picture of that spiritual battle when Daniel was praying. Daniel was praying and asking God to give him revelation about things that had been prophesied years before. And he says, God, give me revelation because it looks to me like this is the time. And the angel comes to him and tells him, I came, I was sent to give you this word when you began your prayer. But I was held up by 
the prince of Persia. He was talking about a spiritual battle in the heavenlies. And Michael the archangel was sent to help him battle. There is a spiritual battle going on in our world right now. And if a leader has not given himself to Christ to be filled with the Holy Spirit, there will be a spirit behind that leader. It's a given. Because we are in a spiritual world. And because we're in a spiritual world, we must know how to fight in the spirit. Revelation 12 and verse 7, I'm going to give you another portion of scripture that also shows clearly that time when Satan was cast out. Verse 7 says, Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth with his angels. Okay, there it is clear from the beginning of the Bible to the end it's talked about. Our enemy is Satan and those who fell with him. Verse 4 of this book of Revelation that I just showed you says that a third of the angels were cast out with him. So he took quite a few who decided they also wanted to rebel with him. Can I say he was a good leader, obviously. He knew how to lead and influence. But being a good leader and knowing how to influence isn't all right if you're going against God's direction. It's a bad thing. So know who your enemy is. But when you understand it's a spiritual battle, then you can go to prayer and in the name of Jesus that we sung about, you can begin to declare that his kingdom comes and his will be done on this earth. Jesus shared that prayer for a reason. We want the kingdom of God to have his way here. Now the second thing you need to know if you are going to win the battle, this spiritual battle, you need to know your enemy's goal or purpose. In a natural war, they first of all know who their enemy is, but then they have to know, what is this enemy trying to do? If we're going to defeat him, what's he trying to do? So you need to know what your enemy is trying to do. And scripture, again, gives us lots to go on. John 10, verse 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich, satisfying life. So what is his purpose? Steal, kill, destroy. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 12, but we'll move ahead to verse 17, talking about that dragon again. And it says, and the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Your enemy is Satan, and he wants to destroy God's people. And those who have the testimony of Jesus, that would be you and I, guys, if you're a Christian here tonight. Okay? His purpose, he wants to steal, kill, destroy, and he most definitely is upset at those who serve God because, you see, he quit serving God. Now, he wants to make a point. He wants to defeat anybody who dares continue serving the Lord. You see, rebellion is an ugly thing, and getting involved in rebellion can really 
destroy you as well. Anybody here who in their teenage years was like, gee, I don't agree with anybody and I know better? Just me? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, if you think back to that time, maybe a time in your life when it happened, you can think back, my goodness, it ate you up. It did for me. It's all you could think about. You're so sure you knew better and you wanted to make a point. And yet, it only hurt other people. It hurt those around you. And in the end, if you're still serving God, you found out you were wrong. Because rebellion is never right. I mean, well, what if that person was wrong? Rebellion's still never right. Well, what if that person wasn't very nice and didn't like me? Rebellion's still not right. King David was under King Saul. King Saul was trying to kill him, but he refused to act in rebellion towards Saul. Why? Because he was a man after God's own heart, and he knew how to be under authority. You see, God chose David because he knew how to be under authority. He removed Saul because Saul refused to be under his authority and obey. You see, Saul had a problem with being under the authority of the prophet of that day. He wanted to do it himself. He he was like, oh, I can do the prayer thing myself. We don't need to wait for Samuel. I don't like some of the stuff he tells me anyways. Oh, and now he's telling me I can't bring all these sheep and all, oh, but all the people want me to, and I want all the people to like me, so we'll just do my own way. God removed Saul because he could not be under authority. He acted in rebellion, the same kind of rebellion that the devil used from the beginning. He was suddenly being influenced by Satan's kingdom. Isn't that amazing? Influenced by Satan's kingdom. Saul. But David said, no, I'm going to do this. You see, the enemy's purpose was to defeat the Israelites. And he was going to use Saul to do it. But God said, no, I'll get somebody else who will lead the people with a good heart. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8 it says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we know who our enemy is. We know his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And we're being told, hey, stay awake. And the army soldiers need to remain awake if they're on duty. If they're going to be watching out or taking their turn at watch. For the enemy, they need to be alert and on duty. And you and I have been called to be alert and on duty. But unfortunately, I feel that at times we forget we're in a battle with a spiritual enemy. And we let our guard down or we allow him maybe to blind us. And instead, we'll just see the natural. We'll just get upset at people. And we'll just try to work it on our own in the natural. God didn't ask us to do that. He wants us to be wake, aware, alert in the spirit. All right, and finally, the last point I want to make, and it's going to take a while. I've got a couple things in it. If you're looking at your watches, like, all right, we're out here. No, not yet. But we need to be aware of the enemy's tactics or battle strategies. You see, when we're aware of his tactics, then we know how to defeat him. We also know when he's operating, trying to operate in our lives or in the lives of our loved ones. When you know how he works, you can recognize it quickly. Oh, the enemy's lying to him. Okay, so we're going to look at some of these points. 
Now, when we talk about the spiritual side of things, maybe for some here today, you haven't been in places or you're not aware of spiritual activity. So maybe when I'm telling you, you're like, wow, I don't know. Is that? Like I saw a movie one time about that, but it was all fake. <laughs> but it's real. You can ask people who come from other countries where there were witch doctors practicing their things. The spiritual is real. You can ask people who've been involved even in our country where there's evil spiritual things happening and it's real. Sometimes as Christians, we just have our mind that everything is just natural and we forget this is a spiritual world we live in. Now, I guess the enemy also knows that if he can hide what he's doing, and we're going to go into his strategies and you'll realize that's one of his strategies, to hide what he does so that you don't figure it out. So let's get into his strategies. The number one strategy that Satan uses is he is a liar. John 8, 44, Jesus says, you are the children of your father. He's talking to the Pharisees. You're the children of the father of the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Do you understand that from the beginning he murdered, but he murdered with lies? You will not read, the devil came with his pitchfork and stabbed Adam and Eve, but he murdered by lying. Ooh, look out. I'm going to say this right away, that the enemy does not have power unless people give him permission to have power in their lives and to work through them. And he does it mostly with lies. Oh, if you do what I want, I'm going to give you power, I'll give you this, just... Lies, lies, lies. What a liar, but no power at all unless you give it to him, unless you believe his lies. He is called the deceiver and he's continually deceiving. Revelation 12 verse 9, and we read this verse earlier, but I'm going to read it again. It said, the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Again, this enemy of ours, it said the dragon was cast out who deceives the whole world. Didn't say he killed people in the world. Didn't say he, I just can't help, I got to use the pitchfork. Didn't say he used the pitchfork. Didn't say he showed up with a gun. He can do nothing unless people allow him to work through them. But he's the deceiver of the world. In Revelation, this, you should probably read chapter 12 because I'm picking it out from it here and there. But in the beginning, it says that he was upset and he went after the woman and her seed. And it says out of his mouth, he sent a flood. He destroys with lies and deception. And if he can get you to believe it, if he can get you to act on it, his lies create murder, death, and destruction. Revelation 20, verse 10, says, Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. 
there's some good news. That's his end. That's his final end, the enemy that is against you and I. But once again, it said he was the one who deceived them. He's a liar, and he is a deceiver. And his other strategy that he uses, which I've been already kind of hinting at, he gets his dirty work done by influencing or possessing people. He fulfills his purpose by influencing or possessing. Over the years, I have seen the devil even use Christians by influencing them with lies. But he cannot possess a Christian. But he can possess a non-believer to actually control them and get them to do what he wants. Matthew 16 and 21, we read a story where someone was influenced by Satan. Matthew 16, 21, it says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this will not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Was Peter actually Satan? No. Was Peter possessed? No. But he was most definitely influenced by Satan at that point. He was not hearing or sensing the direction of the Holy Spirit for Christ because Christ had to go to the cross so that you and I wouldn't have to. But he was not aware of it because he was being influenced by Satan. Why else would Christ say, get behind me, Satan? Yes, a believer can be influenced and cause a lot of trouble if they're unwilling to let the Holy Spirit flow and they become influenced by the lies of the devil. Now, without realizing it, Peter became a voice box, a preacher, if you will, for Satan. And he was one of Christ's 12. One of his main people, as a matter of fact, you can go in this chapter just a few verses back, and he is telling Peter, you are awesome, pretty much. Peter, flesh and blood, did not reveal that to you, to know who I am. And you are Peter, and upon this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And three verses later, he's telling him, get behind me, Satan. Church, because I know I'm speaking to Christians here tonight, do not doubt that the enemy wants to try to deceive you and lie to you. Are you awake and aware? Because it is an easy thing to go from being the one who hears directly from him to the one who's speaking for Satan. Are you aware? Are you letting this bring life? Are you letting this bring the goals of Christ or the goals of Satan? What were the goals of Satan? Steal, kill, destroy. Are you causing there to be division, destruction? Are you tearing somebody down? That's not what Christ does with his voice. So how and who are you letting use your voice? Are you building up? Are you praying for people who are going through things? It's easy to know who's using your voice. Let's never allow ourselves to be deceived and lied to by Satan and suddenly become his voice box. All right? 
And the key to knowing is what is it accomplishing? What are you speaking and what is it accomplishing? You know right away if it's accomplishing the goals we said that were Satan's, it's not okay. Do you know if you're speaking against other believers, this is something just came to my mind, I'm going to bring it out. I've noticed something and probably because of the internet it's easier to notice. But if there's a ministry that's doing well and maybe they're growing and they're affecting many people, there will suddenly be other ministries online that they feel their job is to attack that one because they can't they must not be doing it right um hold on a minute hold on a minute you're trying to bring down attack other believers because they do it different than you and you feel like that's god's work hold on a minute you might want to go back and check out what is god's work what is the devil's work your job is to do what the Holy Spirit's asked you to do and do it with all your might and the best you can with what he's asked. You leave them to the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 13 and 6 to 12. I want to read you a story about someone who was obviously possessed by an evil spirit. And it says this, Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He had attached himself to the governor. Okay, so there was a false prophet in this area. He was obviously possessed by an evil spirit, and he had attached himself to a powerful leader. Hmm, you guys catching this? We live in a spiritual battle. All right, and he had attached himself to the governor, Sergi Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul, also known as Paul, to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. And he said, You son of the devil! full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good. Whew. Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment on you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Okay, Elymas was possessed by the devil, and he spoke for him to try and keep someone from believing what? He said it in there. What was he trying to get him to, to not believe? The good news. Our job, according to Christ, was to go all over the world and preach the gospel, and the gospel means what? Good news! It hasn't changed. Plain and simple, if the Holy Spirit has not told you to proclaim it, don't. We need to continually speak for the Lord Jesus and declare his goodness and the great things he has done. Continually. If we choose to complain, spread lies, rumors, or just constantly talk about the terrible things that sin and the devil have brought about, we are preaching for the devil. And uh, friends, there are billion-dollar media outlets that preach about death and destruction 24-7. The devil doesn't need your voice. Christ Jesus needs your voice. 
there's a world of people out there that are dying to hear some good news. And you and I have that good news. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I choose to preach that good news. Words that bring hope, healing, transformation, and life to those who hear it. I choose to preach Christ. What about you? What are you going to go out and preach? What are you going to spend your time and energy giving out to others on social media? Hey, it's a, it's a place where we preach, whether we like it or not. What are you going to give out? Are we spreading bad news or good news? Are we bringing darkness or light to those around us? Don't let your enemy use his lying tactics on you. Get the victory over him in Jesus' name. You and I have victory in the name of Jesus. And I want to encourage you, when you are speaking, whether it be on social media or with people, always think to yourself, is this bringing light? Is this bringing good news? Is this building someone up? Or is this tearing down? My goodness, church, if we choose to be that kind of people, you will see others getting set free. You will see life coming to people like never before. I remember a situation, and I'm getting ready to close with this story, and uh, I won't be too much longer, but I remember a time. We were at a meeting a number of years ago and uh, in the northern area up here. And at that meeting, there was a young man there, and I remember it wasn't my meeting. I think I sang a song at it or something, but somebody else was hosting the meeting. And I remember knowing in my spirit from the Holy Spirit, this young man needs to go for prayer. And so I told him, I actually went over to where he was sitting, hey, you need to go for prayer at the prayer time at the end. And, uh, you know, I just, I really feel it's important. And so he said, okay, I'll go up there if you go up with me. I said, sure, I'll go up with you. And we went up to prayer, and I was standing behind him with my hand on his back, and the, the worship team was going. They were singing. And as I had my hand on his back, I was like, why does it feel like it's rumbling? And I looked, and here he was growling. He was manifesting. And, you know, I was right away. The first thought that came to me was, well, this isn't my meeting. Who's running this thing? I'm going to go sit down. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I stayed. And I, some more manifesting happened. He was trying to bite people. He was kind of going crazy. And there was a lot of young people. It was kind of a youth-type meeting, and pretty soon people were getting scared and they, they emptied out the altar, all the other people that wanted prayer. And, you know, some people were commanding and doing this, and people were trying, and he was throwing people around. And I remember just kind of staying there, and he wasn't bothering me, but I, I was just staying with a hand there, and I was like in my mind praying, Holy Spirit, why is he not getting free? Because I've seen many people get free just instantly because I know that's how God does it. And I refused to allow an evil spirit to manifest. They're just showing off. But I was like, why is he not? And the Holy Spirit dropped him into my spirit right away. So he doesn't want to be free. And I was shocked. I was like, why would he not want to be free? But I heard the Holy Spirit. And by this time, there was just myself and one other guy kind of left. Everybody else was moved off. There was even some kids crying. They were so scared. And I told the guy, I said, he doesn't want to be free. We just need to let him go. Let him go the back and talk to him. We need to go to the back and talk to him. He doesn't want to be free. Somewhere in that process, he tried to choke the other guy. But anyways, <laughs> we let him go to the back. And uh, 
He went out the door, and this guy and myself and two other guys, we followed him out the church door. And as we're going out the back church door, one of the ladies at church, she closed and locked those doors because she didn't want to let him back in. And we're on this deck area right out the front doors, and this guy is still manifesting, and, uh, but here's the thing. This is what I'm getting to. This was a situation that seemed like nobody could see this guy free. He didn't even want to get free. And the Holy Spirit gave me the words, ask him why he doesn't want to be free. And of course, I've seen some of this, and so I said, I, on their way out the door, actually asked, what's this guy's name? Because I knew I wanted to talk to him. So they told me his name. So I addressed him, and I said, I'm speaking to, and I said his name. I don't, I'm not speaking to the Spirit, to you. I said, why don't you want to be free? And he began telling us, well, Christians hurt me, and this happened here, and I don't want to be free. And he just, he then started crying, and he was, you know, there was tears and snot, and sorry. But anyway, this is a real story. And uh, he was really crying, and I said, you know what? There's not one of us here that wants to hurt you. I said, you know, I'm sorry that happened. Other Christians made mistakes, but not one of us wants to hurt you. We want to help you here. And I said, and if you want to be free, I can pray for you and you'll be free. And he looked at me and I said, so I need to ask you now, do you want to be free? Because when I started the conversation on the deck, I specifically said, do you want to be free? And he said, no, he didn't. So now he said, yes, he did. I said, okay, good. I said, I'm going to pray with you. But I said, I was letting the Holy Spirit lead me. And instead of commanding or doing anything, I just walked up to him. Well, actually, I walked up to him because everybody else said, okay, you pray for him. We're done. (laughs) I was like, okay. And I said, okay, I want you to just repeat this after me. And I never really prayed for someone like that to be free, but I was speaking to the young man, nothing to do with the Spirit. And I got him to repeat after me, Lord, I want to be free. Your Holy Spirit, and by the name of Jesus, I can be free. So I command everything in me that's not of you to leave now. And he repeated that. And as soon as he did, he repeated and he went, and it looked like he was choking. He ran to the edge of the deck and he spit something out over the edge of the deck. And uh, right before he had said that, I had prayed, saying, I want to be free. And I said, and then fill me with your Holy Spirit. And he ended with, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And he went and spit this over the deck. When he came back up after spitting whatever out over the deck, he all of a sudden went, whoa, whoa, he says, whoa. And one of the other guys went up there to give him a hug, and the guy went to give him a hug, fell on the ground. And the second guy went over to give him a hug, and he fell on the ground, filled with the Holy Spirit. And this guy who was just possessed is now kind of going, whoa. And he, he, he gives me a hug and he asks me, what is this? And he was like, how come you didn't fall down? I said, because I've been feeling that same Holy Spirit all night. Oh, it's the Holy Spirit. He, he looked drunk now, from possessed to drunk, and he's not trying to kill anybody. And so I knocked on the window and the little old lady was still there holding the door so nobody could get in. I said, okay, he's set free. Come in. And she's, oh, he's set free. So we brought him back in, and I said, I want you to go apologize to the pastor there and, you know, let the congregation know you're free because there's a lot of young people here, and I want them to know that the name of Jesus is far more powerful. Okay, he said. So he came up front, he apologized to the pastor, and they did another song, and he danced in the Holy Spirit, and every young person there knew the name of Jesus. There's power. We live in a real spiritual world. But I also wanted you to see that that young man got set free, not by yelling loud enough or commanding loud enough, but by hearing 
we love you and he really does love you and you want to be free. Can we spread good news? Can we spread love that will set people free around us? Yes, we can. Can you do it? Yes, you can. You're no different than me. When you know your authority and you know what the word and love of God can do, you can stand in front of anything. So church, we are in a spiritual battle. We know our enemy. We know his tactics. You and I can see victory. James 4 verse 7, and I'm closing with this, says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Friends, submit to him with whatever you have. What he's asked you to do, say yes. What he's called you to, say yes. That's submitting to him.